So if you took a look at your bulletin already, you notice that we are talking about something a little interesting, a little different. So before I share the text, I want to give a brief preface. Today's lesson is a difficult one to listen to, and believe it or not, it is the lectionary text for today. I didn't choose this on my own. It comes from Mark 10, focusing on Jesus's teachings about divorce. And I'll admit, I was a little hesitant to move forward with this text when I discovered that it was, in fact, the lectionary reading for the day. I was talking with a colleague, and I mentioned to her, is it really a good idea for me, the young, single pastor, never been married, to preach on divorce? I'm not totally convinced that this is a good idea. And she stopped me and said, well, that's the same place that Jesus was in. <laughs> yeah, so after I heard that, I felt like I had no choice. <laughs> this is indeed a tough text to preach on, to listen to, and to wrestle with but I purposefully did not skip over it and opt for an alternative scripture for the week because I know that this is a safe space here and we can talk about difficult subjects. It's imperative that the church, that our church, that we are at the forefront of conversations that encompass tragedy and heartache, grief, loss, brokenness. Because this text is not just about divorce, is what we'll learn. It's about God's intention for relationships, lifting up equality for men and women in all makeups of marriage. And when all is said and done, God's everlasting arms stretch out in the form of Jesus to embrace all of God's children. As followers of Christ, it is vital that we acknowledge, friends, that all Scripture, we acknowledge all Scripture rather than choose as we see fit. Which is why we're going to wrestle with this text together today. So with this in mind, I pray that this text does not upset or trigger anyone, but re rather reminds us of our unity in Christ. So listen now for Mark 10, verses 2 through 16. Some Pharisees came, and to test him, they asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? He answered them, What did Moses command you? They said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of dismissal and to divorce her. But Jesus said to them, because of your hardness of heart, he wrote this commandment for you. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and two shall become one flesh, so they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together let no one separate. Then in the house, the disciples asked him again about this matter. 
he said to them, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. People were bringing little children to him in order that he might touch them. And the disciples spoke sternly to them. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, Let the little children come to me. Do not stop them, for it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly, I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. And he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and he blessed them. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord will stand forever. Amen. So it's just a little light reading today, okay, guys? Just a little easy listening text today. As I sat with this text over the last week, I thought to myself, how in the world do the subject matters of divorce and adultery somehow finagle their way into this good news? This must have been a misprint in the lectionary. Where is the good news? Well, God has such an ironic way of humbling us when we most need it, right? Because our role as interpreters of the word is not to skip ahead to the good part or find the happy ending of it all. The good news can still be challenging to hear and informative all at the same time. This text is about the evolution of divorce, God's intention for relationships. And when it's all said and done, Jesus extends his everlasting arms to us. But in order for us to understand this passage a bit better, we must first understand what marriage meant in ancient culture. Biblical scholar Bruce Malena tells us, under normal circumstances in the world of Jesus, individuals really did not get married. Families did. One family offered a male, the other a female. Their wedding stood for the wedding of the larger extended families and symbolized the fusion of the honor of both families involved. Marriage was not a matter of falling in love. It was very much a matter of honoring one's parents. See, honor is the key word here for understanding the historical context of our text today. In this culture, there were no fun bridal showers to attend or premarital counseling services offered. There was no say yes to the dress moments to partake in. This wedding, it functioned as a business transaction. It was more, more of a professional partnership between two families rather than a bond of two individuals that will grow into a larger family. 
So this is what Moses hints at in Deuteronomy 24. He says, suppose a man enters into a marriage with a woman, but she does not please him because he finds something objectionable about her. And so he writes her certificate of divorce, puts it in her hand and sends her out of his house. She then leaves his house and goes off to become another man's wife. It's like she got a permission slip, like here, you're allowed to get divorced now. There's not a whole lot of talk of love going on there. Moses predetermined marriage as a purely legal matter. Romance and family unity were not of any concern. Marriage was nothing more than a family drama and a vehicle for mass reproduction. So with this in mind, when the disciples approach Jesus at the beginning of Mark 10, they think they already have all of the answers. They're trying to test him a bit, as we just heard. But instead of initiating a great debate on the subject, Jesus gives some clarity. Mark quotes Jesus as saying that whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And this is quite a revolutionary statement. He's talking about both men and women, all genders here. Here, Jesus is putting women on equal footing with men. This is a direct attack on the male chauvinism that blamed women for adultery and divorce in Moses' era. He is taking the law to the highest pitch and moving beyond Moses' wild wildest visions. The playing ground is now level and there is no superiority. And Jesus is just getting started. But first, in addition to historical context, language is also quite critical here. If we look back at the original language, the verb used for to divorce has several different translations. It also means to release, to let go, to free fully, or to relieve. This is Jesus' way of urging the disciples to understand divorce in a new light, suggesting that divorce can be relieving or even freeing for certain relationships. This is not to say that the gospel text is outdated, but here the Pharisees are approaching Jesus as an accountant, and Jesus wants them to approach him as our teacher and counselor, someone who can relieve pain and provide healing and remind us that we're not alone in this. Divorce is a shared experience for many of us. While each person's story is unique and personal to them, it is something many of us might have in common. It's something that, to our surprise, unites us. And for me, divorce is what made my life possible. I'm part of a blended family. Two of my siblings have a different father than myself and my younger sibling. And that was not exactly common in my area growing up. But slowly, year after year, I started to realize that 
I was one of the few young people in my friend group whose parents were still married. I learned that divorce is actually a very human thing. Over time, divorce has evolved into this necessity for humankind. And Jesus is here to tell us that that's okay. Let's be honest, friends. The Markin community probably found Jesus' uncompromising statements about divorce and remarriage as challenging and countercultural as we do today. There's not a lot of discussion or back and forth following Jesus' instructions on the matter of divorce. This passage is less about regulations for ordering relationships and more of a glimpse or vision of God's loving plan for God's children. Perhaps the true heart of this lesson is in the bridge of the passage. Jesus doesn't abandon us as adulterers at the end of the divorce discourse. He keeps going. And he makes a drastic shift. In one breath, he's speaking about adultery. And then in the next breath, he says, let the little children come to me. The little children mentioned at the end of this lesson, this is our symbol for the most vulnerable. Jesus wants us to know that when we are vulnerable, we can come to him, and he wants us to. That is the good news in this text. This passage is less about the regulations for ordering relationships and more of a glimpse or vision of God's loving plan for God's children. The good news in this message lies in God's embrace for us. And we experience that embrace at the table. Today is World Communion Sunday, a celebration that promotes Christian unity across the world. And in a few minutes, we will celebrate the Lord's Supper together as a church family for the first time in, I don't know, what, 18, 19, 20 months? What a perfect way to honor our unity to God and to one another. So as you come forward and receive your elements later, know that any brokenness or hard-heartedness or doubt or grief or despair, any kind of pain that you might have brought through these doors with you is seen and known by God because mercy always prevails. So may this sacrament of communion be a step forward to your wholeness today. Let us pray. Let us break bread together on our knees. Let us break bread together on our knees. When I fall on my knees with my face to the rising sun, oh Lord, have mercy. 